I think this is the second week of the extreme Memphis wrestling series, programming, thing, whatever it is, it's pretty well good in that there are some issues in the middle of this, but the whole thing rolls along so well that you don't notice that much. That's a great skill and they've earned it over the last few years, couple of years is it, for Memphis, rebooted. We've got a three-man booth. Pete Pranica's there again. Always good to see him there with Tarls and Dostal. And early on, we've got um, the match that a lot of people have been waiting for, the Jimmy Blaylock versus Colton Cage match. Now, you've got Van Viskius and, um, call him Jason Bain, removed from ring side and not allowed to be at ringside. So it does seem as though Blaylock's going to get his comeuppance against Colton Cage. And... Spoiler alert, it does work out that way, but not in the way you might expect because, well, let me explain. You've got um, Colton Cage offering Jimmy Blaylock a free headlock to start. Blaylock puts the headlock on and Colton Cage is not selling at all, which I've actually seen a few people do outside of a, a joke or fun match, actually. There's then suddenly we get the Secret Service blokes in there. One dressed in a kind of not a singlet, but shorts and a, and a vest, and one with some amateur wrestling Josh Alexander-type headgear on. Now, I suppose what they're saying is Van Viscius and, uh, call him Jason Vane, were told to go from ringside, but not the Secret Service, who are rest as, just as wrestlers, I suppose. Yeah, the fans are angry at this, actually. One of them is gesticulating. Yeah, he is gesticulating. And um, right in the front row... And you've got uh, then Blaylock's on top, mocking the gyration from the hips of uh, Colton Cage. But then Colton Cage punches one Secret Service, slingshots another one in. And then um, you've got that... Remember last week when um, Jimmy Blaylock said he was going to have a move called the Tupelo Tornado, and it was basically him spinning round, and yeah, he does that. Colton Cage just squats down a bit and then hits a big punch to him and that's the pin. It's not great because what you really want to see, I suppose, is Jimmy Blaylock getting a lot, taking a lot of bumps in a way that Bobby Heenan used to. But I don't really think that that's the kind of thing that would be good for Jimmy. So really, you just get a big punch and that's it. It, it kind of went for nothing and I, I might have expected a bigger build-up. Anyway, next we've got Gaston. Prince Gaston, storybook Prince Ga- storybook Prince Gaston. What? Just call yourself Ga- Gaston. Prince Gaston's all right. He has dropped the storybook thing. Maybe Dustin was listening. I'm sure he is. He's out um, in the parking lot. I don't know why he's in a parking lot collecting what looks like a pretty cheap piece of luggage. And he opens it, and you've got the Pulp Fiction um, light from within lighting up his face. He's delighted to see it. And then he's, he makes his way down really quickly to the Wrestle Centre because he's out next with Champion Nicks and with Matt... What, what, what's, his, what's his name? Uh, Will, Will, Williamson? What, Watkinson? What, what's his name? And in the case, is a shiny new women's belt. Now, it looks good, but I'm wondering, what, why did Gaston and Matt What's-His-Name, why were they allowed to design a new belt at a, a huge cost, we know it's thousands of pounds for any new belt, and then present it to the women's champion. Why? Is there not a booking committee? Does it not go through the head honcho, Dustin? Does it not go through? He seems happy to 
have it there. I don't, I don't know. It's just a bit weird. Anyway, Danny Limelight's coming, so forget about that. Danny Limelight's going to be here, and that's great. Next, we do have Matt and Gaston versus Big John Dalton and Mackenzie Morgan. Now, Nix is on commentary. Rather good, actually. Not bad at all. A bit of a kind of laid-back and a bit of a sassy um, commentary, which is good. Early on, you've got... I don't know why... Well, I do know why. It's for the... It's for the move, isn't it? But you've got Gaston and Matt What's-His-Name with their backs to the ring, on the floor, talking to the, the crowd, which allows Dalton to pick Mackenzie up and dump her over the top rope onto both of them, which is a good move, but it's such a ridiculous setup that you, you know it's coming. Yeah. Then you've got um, Dalton throwing... Um, Big John Dalton, that would be. Throwing Mackenzie on to the opponents on the... Uh, oh, you got that first onto the outside. But... Um, Mackenzie is then distracted by Nix's commentary. I mean, Nix didn't do anything. It's just that Morgan was pretty cheesed off about it. Back in the ring, Gaston pulls Mackenzie Morgan's eyes across the top rope, which I like, but I'm seeing a lot of recently. I still like it, though. And then Matt hits a sort of odd sit-out reverse powerbomb thing. It's weird. It's like a sort of atomic drop, I suppose, face plant. I don't know what it is, but it looks pretty good. It just seems a bit odd when you think about what it is. Then Morgan hits a counter Hurricane Rana, and this is a great move. Pushes off Gaston in the in the corner to hit a bulldog on Matt Watts' name. It's great. Just great. And then Dalton comes in, deals with both of them, of course. But Nix distracts, and Golden gets um, into her face. Cassandra Golden, previous champ, comes right, right out, stops her doing any of the distraction, gets in her face. And then there's a sort of... Um, it's a bit odd, really. I don't quite know what this is. But the finishing manoeuvre for both Big John Dalton and uh, Mackenzie Morgan is that Dalton holds her, holds him, should I say. Uh, I think it was Matt, or was it Storybook? Either one of them. Does it really matter? Not really, no. The ending move, really, and the finish is what matters. He holds one of them. Well, Mackenzie Morgan, does she kind of pull the head down? Is it a neck breaker? Whilst Dalton is giving a, um, a front slam that gets the pin it's a bit weird I couldn't quite work it out I couldn't work out whether she hit an elbow to the back of his head or whether she pulled his hair I don't know no idea now we get the same guy was here last week you know the ex-alumnus I can't remember his name what's his name Dustin go on anyway he's going to be uh, he's, he's there greeting to well not really greeting they meet him and say I know you do your catchphrase it's two trainees I presume then they enter the wrestle centre. I have to say, this is the second week here, so he's going to be coming onto the roster, isn't he? Because they're really introducing him. You can see it coming a mile off. I can see this coming a mile off as well. Yes, it's Brother Bruce versus Ray Collins. There's some enmity between the Righteous Path. They will, on Memphis Wrestling, show us the uh, details for a number you can ring to speak to the Righteous Path, and they advise us all to ring up and leave messages. I presume messages that say we don't, they don't like it, but it's a bit weird because the Righteous Path get that money. And in storyline, you know, and Memphis are saying, Memphis Wrestling saying, go on, ring it. Give them money. They're not saying that, but that's the implication. Anyway, back in the ring we have, well, Ash Taylor and, um, and Jennifer Justice, the joke shop costume nun, are out uh, on the outside, of course. Collins is a dropkick to begin. Uh, Bruce comes back because he's a big bloke with a nasty slam. 
misses an elbow drop, there's an atomic drop from Collins on a clothesline, tries to get Brother Bruce up, tries to lift him, couldn't even shift him, yeah. Then eventually does, he tries it three times I think, before he gets the suplex, fourth time's the charm, not usually but there you go. Then you've got a headlock which is not brilliant from Collins, quickly Bruce turns it into a jawbreaker and I was pleased about that. Then Justice distracts as Bruce smacks uh, Collins and then, and I didn't think this, I'd forgotten about this actually, that he'd flirted with the Righteous Path before, Ryan Rembrandt comes out, puts somebody in the collection plate that Ash Taylor is holding on the way to the ring, hits the elbow drop with the, with the, you know, neck breaker elbow drop thing, you know, with the arm across the chest and then Bruce gets the pin. Referee didn't see it because Jennifer Justice was talking to him for a long time. I can name all of the 52, 50 first, yeah, 50, 50, 50 states? Oh, I don't know. I can name all the American presidents. Go on then. Do them all in order. That sort of thing. Now, next, you've got your sort of co-main event really, which is Tuma versus Maurice the Strong. Maurice can't compete. Why? There hasn't been a storyline injury. Maybe he is actually injured. And so you've got Barnabas coming out. Oh, God, I don't like this at all, really. Saying um, the match is cancelled. Out comes Tuma with a table, because it is a tables match. Yeah. And um, he'll be fighting Barnabas. Barnabas is not a wrestler, but the crowd are enjoying it because they don't really like Barnabas. I don't, I mean, I don't like Barnabas, but it's not heel heat. It's go away heat for me. Yeah. Tuma says he's got Barnabas for three minutes. Really? Telling us the schedule there, are you? <laughs> it's only three minutes, is it? He asked people to block the exits. One of those exits is blocked by a bloke in a dinosaur outfit. It's a bit weird. It's just a random thing that's never mentioned. You can clearly see it. Um, it's like, is it Barney, that dinosaur? Anyway, Barnabas tries to get some action in earlier by smacking him with a cane. Tuma knows how the punches, gets some in return, you know, the punches, hits a kick. Then there's a, a, a knee from, I mean, he, he basically, he really, really sets it up. He puts one leg on one rope, one leg on the other, knee to the twig and berries, yeah, into the Kapow comic book corner. And Terrence says, is it appropriate to say Kapow? <laughs> That's great. And then sets the table up, power bombs him through it, almost misses it. I mean, he, I mean, his head struck that table a bit, to be honest, the edge of it. And it went for nothing, really. It was a bit of a shame. And most of the stuff that's happened with Maurice and Barnabas has gone for nothing. It's just bad luck, I suppose. But I didn't like them anyway. There you go. Now, if you're wondering who the two masked men were with Aaron Roberts, and I had forgotten about them, to be honest, because that's what I think about Aaron Roberts, really. He's a pretty good heel. I like him with, I like Justin Case a lot. Aaron Roberts works well with Justin Case, but I'm not quite sure that having his family here, Brother Cornell, Father Big Red, is really going to help. I don't mean Father Big Red as the righteous hand thing, I mean as his father, Big Red. I mean, Big Red is not as big as Aaron, his son, so I maybe you should maybe you should forget that nickname, the Soubriquet if you want, but um, I don't know. And your main event is, and this is a bit, it's a bit silly really, because the whole idea of winning the Cobra Cup is that you can get to cash in whenever you like. And the whole idea of getting to cash in whenever you like. As was featured on NAWA recently, after winning the Bunkhouse Battle Royal, Dre White cashed in immediately against AJ Frost because he thought AJ Frost might be a bit tired. He was, and he won the title from him. 
so you can cash in whenever you like, which is usually good after someone's been on a knockdown drag out affair. Wait in the in, in the back, see if the match goes longer than 20 minutes, get out and win. Don't say I'm going to cash in next week, thus giving you loads of time to prepare, and then think you've you've got some kind of advantage because you haven't. Anyway, it gets five minutes this, and it's not bad. Early on, um, Brett goes for it, but Ben Bishop returns some fire. Then Brett hits the ring post with his lariat arm, the lariat arm. And you would expect that, because he was favouring it, didn't like he could do anything with it. And I thought that would be the story of the match. But you can't really tell much of a story in five minutes, can you? Yeah, so Brett tries to pick him up. Because, I mean, Ben's massive, isn't he? He's six foot eight. So he, he can't pick him up. Hits a slam and a, and a side slam, does Brett. Then a Cobra cut clutch slam, which is very nice. Suddenly, as he misses a run into the corner, Brett Michaels hits the gun show lariat for the pin. There was a kick out at 3.1, I have to say, just to save Ben Bishop a little bit. But really, that's kind of stopped any, any heat he's got. I didn't think he was great anyway. I didn't think it was built that well. And this seems to have given it away. But overall, this was a really good episode. I know I sound like I'm carping, but I'm not. Anyway, carp are quite, quite expensive. So, you know, so if you are, if I was, then that's great. But I'm not. I think it's a great episode. I think all the episodes I've done over the past couple of years have been great. Some have been better than others. Some have asked questions, and this one certainly has. But I really enjoyed it, and I can't wait to see what happens next week. But what they're going to do with Ben Bishop, and what they're going to do with Kate Toomer, I really do not know. Ta-ta.